0: Do da dipity. You can do oh. with this, or you can do with that. You can do oh. with this, or you can do with that. I think you can do with this, this, this kind of thing. It's Blaken
1: Abdallah. Weeknight six a.m. right here on ESPN One Thousand, the ESPN Chicago app. And Abdallah at six a.m. this morning. We had news in the National Football League about twelve hours ago. Adam Schefter put it out there on ESPN.com that the Bears have been approached by multiple teams about trading the number one pick in this year's NFL draft. And Chicago is said to be, quote, leaning towards moving the pick. Sources tell Adam Schefter at ESPN. The Bears own the top pick in this year's draft where anywhere from eight to 12 teams could be looking to make a switch at quarterback that's from adam Schefter on espn.com about 12 hours ago uh this morning this news breaking that the bears are leaning that way which is something that i think should be a relief to bears fans who think that justin fields can be the guy he is the face of the franchise and now if they are able to parlay this number one pick into a bunch of uh, different picks this year and hopefully next year this is the start of something where you start to Kind of, you you start to piece it all together towards moving this team back to being a competitive team in the NFL.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that if you would have traded Justin Fields and used the number one pick, um, I don't know if you're getting as much value from that from that asset. First of all, like I don't know if you're getting as much for the unknown as you are for the somewhat known in Justin Fields, but also you reset everything. I'm not saying that this team is ready to win, but you're setting this team back one to two years already. Then it already is. Then you might as well. Then what did you trade for Chase Claypool? I know he hasn't worked out, but what's the point? Why extend Darnell Mooney at that point? Why, you know, like there's there's a whole lot of unknowns that become even more unknown If you use that number one pick on a quarterback, whereas we're all looking at, hey, look at what the Lions did last year. That's what the Bears could be. Hey, look at what the Eagles did two years ago. That's what the Bears could be like. Be around 500, be competitive in games like they were in a lot of games this year. And I think that this just kind of solidified that what we all kind of knew that uh, that some people didn't want them to keep the or to uh, to keep Justin Fields. I think most Bears fans did. But now you kind of know that this is that the Bears are getting offers and this pick is for sale. Well, and that's a
1: newsworthy p- piece of all this. What we've heard in the last two, three weeks is a lot of talking heads from coast to coast suggesting that the Bears would be smart by trading Justin Fields and by using the number one pick to take someone like Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've seen quotes of Minnie Mahomes, that's the guy. Justin Fields will never get it done. And, and we've seen that type of conversation out in the national media for a couple of weeks now. So I think this is new, noteworthy because Schefter is reporting that not only are teams reaching out, the Bears are open for business, but also that they're leaning towards moving that pick because Justin Fields is the guy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what to take away for uh, as we head towards the combine this week in Indianapolis and uh, the NFL conversations will keep going and we'll start to look at the different quarterbacks in the first round and look at the teams that need quarterbacks, who have first-round picks, it's all it's all going to amp up as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft, and it kind of leads to a conversation now. At what moment does Ryan Poles pull the trigger and trade this number one pick? When does he have the most leverage in this situation? I think it's week of, week before the draft, right?
2: I think we go into the Thursday of the draft in uh, however many days, 60 days or whatever, 59 days, as the, uh, the, the countdown is telling us, 59 days till the NFL draft. I think they go into that day without the pick. So whether it's that week whether it's the week before, it's going to be after Pro Days, right? It's going to be after the Combine, it's going to be after Pro Days, and it's obviously going to be after after Free Agency, because Free Agency is in, like, two weeks. You know, like, the tampering period starts two weeks from today, and then Free Agency starts two weeks from Wednesday. So, you'll have, like, a sense of what of the quarterback moves around like where's jimmy garoppolo gonna sign where's Derek carr signing what is are is aaron Rodgers staying with the packers or whatever like there's all these what ifs where's baker mayfield gonna go like some of these quarterbacks the dust will settle and then you'll kind of know hey if the colts sign a quarterback then maybe they're not as willing to trade up if the raiders sign a quarterback then maybe they're not or it's like the 40 whatever like it i think we'll know by the time the week is and also To go back to whether or not they trade Justin Fields or whether they they move on from him or if he is the guy, best-case scenario for both parties that want Justin Fields and don't want Justin Fields is that you trade this first-round pick for a bunch of picks. Because my best-case scenario is that they get three first-round picks for 2024. They have their own, and they trade back once or twice, and they end up with two other teams' picks. Then, if this year... Fields doesn't improve, and they're only a three-win team again, and you need to move on. You have the ammo with three first-round picks to move up for a Caleb Williams or a Drake May. You could say to whoever is the worst team in the NFL next season, maybe it's the Bucks, maybe it's after they sell off a bunch of pieces, maybe it's the Texans again, maybe it's someone else, and you say to them, hey, we have three first-round picks. What if we give you two of them and we move up for Caleb Williams? Then you have, then you get. It's that's the best of both worlds because there's no guarantee that Fields makes that and takes that next step, right? If he doesn't. And you only end up winning three or four games again, it's probably because Fields isn't the guy. And then you still have the ammo to be like, hey, all right, we don't pick up his fourth year or his fifth year option. We we get rid of him or whatever, and we end up drafting another quarterback and seeing if that guy's the guy. It's a way of covering
1: your ass. Exactly. Right? I'd say, you know, you go through all the different teams that may need a quarterback. We do have news today, this afternoon, that there will be a team in the first round that does need a new quarterback. The Washington Commanders, they released Carson Wentz today. Uh, It was a move that was expected. Uh, Washington will save about $26 million on the salary cap with this move. So the Commanders are sitting there. Uh, They're in a position at 16. They need a quarterback for the future. You list off all the different teams, Adam, and that's where I do understand your side, your angle, where you say that the best value would be leading it all the way up until the draft. Is it possible you may have more value before you get to free agency and some of these teams decide whether or not they have to go after a veteran quarterback like a Derek Carr or someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, some of the other names that are out there that we've talked about? Like, is it possible that right now you have the most amount of leverage because Washington needs a quarterback? The Jets need a quarterback. Uh, You look at New Orleans. They need a quarterback. Carolina needs a quarterback. Uh, Vegas at seven. They need a quarterback. And then obviously the teams at the top of the board, Indianapolis at four, Houston at two. When you, when you kind of break it all down and Schefter and his report, eight to 12 teams, I would imagine that list gets shorter when we get post free agency, because there are some quarterbacks that will land starting jobs. And then that means between free agency and the NFL draft, you will have a couple of those teams that will not be in the mix. Like, are there any teams in this group that are so desperate they are willing to give you everything plus more? to make sure they solidify a number one pick to get their guy in this year's draft. I think it is possible you may have more leverage at this moment than you will heading into the draft, like the day of the draft heading in there with that number one pick.
2: You could, but also I would wait to see you know, what some of these, like Daniel Jones wants a ton of money. What if the Giants don't want to pay it? Then the Giants are in the market for a quarterback or they sign another quarterback. You know what I mean? Like their teams can make surprise moves. What if Aaron Rodgers decides to just retire? And he, he came out of the troll hole and was just like, you know what? I'm done with football. I enjoy troll holes. Like that's my thing now. He enjoys what? Troll holes. Are you he goes, just sitting he tries, in there. He tries, he tries to go he likes being in the dark by himself yeah. and just just living in the troll hole. Okay, okay. Okay. Or he decides to stay with green bay and that takes an option away from the jets or from the raiders or from so then more teams are involved what if anthony richardson becomes the hot new thing because of the combine and the colts feel like hey our new coach was the offensive coordinator for jalen hurts and anthony richardson reminds him a lot of jalen hurts and we have to go up and we have to get anthony richardson at number one and then the the texans are also fall in love with anthony richardson i think that before the draft is the best case scenario. I think I don't think it happens this week at the Combine,
1: but I think it's after free agency, after pro days, sometime in April. The report from Adam Schefter this morning, about twelve hours ago, Schefter reports the Bears are leaning towards moving the number one pick for the NFL draft. Adam Schefter then later joined Cap and J Hood this morning here on the radio station. And this is what he had to say about Ryan Poles. The teardown with the team you know, kind of tanking. They have their quarterback with Justin Fields. He was asked, is this path the right path to take with the Chicago Bears going forward?
3: We've seen other quarterbacks, like the Eagles went out last offseason and surrounded Jalen Hurts with talent. Like, Jalen Hurts looked like he could play, but there were still some questions. They went out, they put A.J. Brown around him. Uh, they drafted Devontae Smith. You, you saw the difference it made. And so um, they have to. they have to do a better job of protecting Justin Fields, putting great players around Justin Fields. You know, the, the wide receiver crew they played with last year was, was substandard. It just was. And they attempted to upgrade with Chase Claypool. They need more help at the position. It doesn't stop there. You know, Cole Komet was the leading receiver. They, they need to get some weapons there. And David Montgomery is now a free agent. We'll see what they do with that. They Look, to me... When we go into this offseason, I know everybody's waiting for a decision for Aaron Rodgers and, and, and waiting to hear what he has to say. But I don't think that there's any one person that's going to impact this offseason any more than the Chicago Bears general manager, Ryan Pulse. Here's a man that holds the number one overall pick. Here's a man that has roughly $100 million in cap space. Here's a man that's going to be moving and shaking. And so, right now... Is the start of a critical two months for the future of this Bears franchise. And it starts now, and Ryan Poles is going to be at the center of it.
1: So there you go. There's Adam Schefter this morning on Cap and Jay Hood, the most important person in the NFL, Ryan Poles, in this offseason. Moving and shaking, says Adam Schefter. He also said this, the Bears want to trade that number one pick. What about the other teams in the top ten? Who wants to move up to get that pick?
3: Oh, l- listen. Um, when you look at the draft... And the possibilities that are out there we have the texans at two mm-hmm. the colts at four the seahawks at five the raiders at seven falcons at eight panthers at nine one two three four five that's six teams in the top ten that you could make an argument will not be or could use help at the quarterback position six teams so the bears have the number one pick and really don't have a need a quarterback i mean I know there's talk about Justin Fields. I'm not buying. I think he's their guy. They just have to surround him with the right people. And so, if you don't have a glaring-needed quarterback, and they don't, and the Texans, Colts, Seahawks, Raiders, Falcons, Panthers, all have quarterback questions over the long term, uh, you, you, you could have, potentially, you know, a feeding frenzy for that number one overall pick. So- and it creates an incredible situation for that organization and a chance to recoup a lot of these picks – and to really stock up for the future. And that, that's what this is about right now.
1: So there you go. Adam Schefter this morning on Cap and J-Hood. A feeding frenzy for the number one pick. That's from Adam Schefter. He had the report this morning on ESPN.com. The Bears have been approached by multiple teams about the number one pick. in this year's draft in Chicago is said to be leaning towards, quote, leaning toward moving the pick. Sources tell Adam Schefter this morning. Good. They should be. I mean there should have never been a doubt. I
2: thought that they would go to Justin in the in, during the exit meeting and say, Hey, you're gonna hear some stuff, right? Like you're gonna hear some chatter, some stuff, but like that's us. Like we gotta create value. You have to create value. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see like it still says leaning towards trading the pick, right? I better see Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus at every one of these workouts. I want to see him at Anthony Richardson's, you know, pro day or whatever, or the uh, the combine day for the quarterbacks. I want to see them at Bryce Young's pro day. Obviously, they'll be at Alabama's pro day for Will Anderson too. But I want to see them like look, like look, make it's have the illusion that you're looking for a quarterback just because because now. It kind of devalues it a little bit because everyone knows you're going to trade it. But maybe they, you know, we get a, a, a thing after the Alabama Pro Day
1: that they were very impressed with what they saw from Bryce Young. It also adds to any conversation where people were suggesting that Justin Fields is going to be traded here, that that was all silly. Like any of that, that conversation yeah, was, was silly. Yeah, of course hey, it was. Justin Fields is the better player when you compare him to the guys that are coming out this year mm-hmm. and that he's the face of the franchise.
0: This is Chicago's Home for Sports on FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago app and ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's Home for Sports. Black and Abdallah are back. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. On FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago app and ESPN 1000.
1: Weeknight, 6 day, right here on ESPN 1000. Talking Bears with you at 312-332-3776. Marco in North Riverside, you're on ESPN 1000.
3: Hey, going into the break, you guys said that Fields is our guy. Mm-hmm. But riddle me this, Batman. Mm. What if we still trade Fields and get all that draft capital? Then it seems like we're going to be in the hunt for a quarterback, but we're not because we're going to sign Lamar Jackson, a proven MVP same style of play and more first round picks and second round picks and the future is so bright
2: Abdal, your thoughts lamar jackson's not getting traded or he released. Said
1: sign released whatever a release
2: he's not getting released
1: Marco he's gonna gonna get, hung up by the way I, get, I didn't hang up on Marco I was looking for some more back and forth there Well I wanted to hear what's, what's going on there with Lamar Jackson stupid, being released like, but
2: they're gonna it's franchise not the case. him and they're gonna figure out a deal like it, 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 they'd be dumb not to wouldn't they yep. Yeah hit it like I like the idea <laughs> Yeah hit it I like the idea of yeah get 10 1st round picks but. Like, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry.
1: All right. Uh, let's talk about this. Uh, this weekend, uh, it seems like we, we all got a chance to witness for the first time the new and improved Major League Baseball. Ooh. New and improved. You heard some White Sox games here on ESPN 1000 the last couple of days. Today, the White Sox beat the Mariners 10-1. to 1. In a snappy two-hour and 40-minute game, Abdallah. Two hours, 40 minutes. The White Sox win 10-1 to over Seattle. That game was aired right here on ESPN 1000 earlier this afternoon. Uh, To me, this is all about, well, we we know that the pitch clock has now been instituted into uh, Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. The pitchers have a certain amount of time to get ready to pitch. Batters have to be in the box looking at the pitcher ready to bat. Everyone has to get ready to play. There is no more... A lack of lollygagging. Right, that's right, Len Casper. There is no more lollygagging. A lack of lollygagging. It. A lack of lollygagging a in lolly today's gaggin. game. A lack of lollygagging. That's right. Len Casper, today on ESPN 1000, there was a lack of lollygagging. A lack of lollygagging. That's right. So uh, give credit to Major League Baseball and to Rob
2: Manfred. Hello. How about this? speeding up the game. I'm here for my victory tour. Corey. That's right. He's here. We're thrilling the fans with a new clock. Corey. I'm calling it XMLB. Corey. I saw that the XFL was so popular that we needed to institute extreme Major League Baseball. Well, that's not what it is. They're just calling it Major League Baseball. But you don't understand, Chris.
1: This is Baseball. To the extreme. Lack of lollygagging. That's right. Uh, (laughs) And you hear from Rob Manfred uh, back in 2020, he's handing out the World Series MVP trophy to Corey Seager. Corey, you thrilled our fans throughout the postseason with a great performance. He's okay. You led the Dodgers <laughs> to a World think... Series victory, yeah, and it's my step. pleasure to recognize your great play with the Willie Mays Most Valuable Player <laughs> Award presented by Chevrolet. Now, Blakey Doll must make you aware that he was medically cleared from that situation. He did not have anything wrong with him medically. There's Rob Manfred. Corey. The commissioner of Major League Baseball. Corey. Corey. You're welcome,
2: baseball fans. (laughs) I'm here to take the victory lap as I wave to the people on State Street. Congratulations to me for putting a renewed interest in the sport. Welcome. We have the steroid era. We have the juice ball era. Welcome to extreme baseball. It's a
1: fast era. It's get in the box and go. You thrilled our fans. That's what it is. It's baseball to the extreme. No, I was doing some research before the show. Were you? A lack of lollygagging. Because there was a lack of lollygagging in today's lollygagging. Uh, today's uh, events. Uh, so I was doing some research. Last year, Major League Baseball, the average time for a Major League Baseball game was three hours and three minutes. 2021, it was three hours and ten minutes. Uh, 2020, it was three hours and seven minutes. 2019, three hours five minutes. 2018, three hours and four minutes. That's the last five years. So around... You know, just over three hours yeah. is what we're looking at for a Major League Baseball game. If we go back through the decades, uh, in 2010, the average time for a Major League Baseball game was two hours and 54 minutes. Uh, if we go to the year 2000, in the year 2000, Abdallah. In
2: the year 2000! That's right, there was a, a lack
1: of lollygagging. A lack of lollygagging. In, in the year 2000, uh, three hours and one minute was the time. So So it was actually a longer baseball game mm. in 2000 than it was in t- 2010. Mm. Now, if we jump back to 1990, ah. uh, the average time for a Major League Baseball game was two hours and 51 minutes. Wow. Here's where the big difference hits. About the mid-80s. Uh, 1980, the average time for a baseball game was two hours and 38 minutes. Whoa. So in the decade of the 80s, it jumped from 238... To, five, to two hours and 51 minutes. You know what the so difference you, was, right? What was the difference? Cocaine! No, that wasn't the difference. I believe uh, that's when they started to really institute uh, television commercials into each and every half inning yes, of but, baseball games. But also cocaine. Yes, that too. Uh, 1970, the average time was two hours and 34 minutes. So uh, this is what we're looking at. So far, the average time of a game now in spring training is down about 23 minutes per game. And like we said today, the White Sox played a game here on ESPN 1000 that was two hours and 40 minutes. Very snappy, right? There was a lack of lollygagging. A lack of lollygagging. Mm -hmm. If I look at it like this, I would say if I asked you, at what age does someone start to become a baseball fan? At what age? Or like at what age do you become a, a knowledgeable sports fan? Like ten? Forty two. Eight, ten. Baseball
2: specifically, forty two. No, no, no.
1: What age
2: <laughs> as a kid do you I become know. a sports like, fan? Like I'd say like ten, eleven, 10. something like okay. that. Yeah. So, where you're aware where you're aware you're not just like playing, but like you're aware of watching yeah. What's going on and actually you're like seeking knowing, it out. Yes. you're following and knowing what is happening in the game. You know yes. a lot of stats, exactly, you, you yeah, have your 10 favorite or 11, players, yeah. your favorite yeah. teams.
1: Mm-hmm. So in 1980, when the games are two hours and 38 minutes, a 10-year-old today, at that time in 1980, is now 53. Ah. So I would imagine the changes that we've seen instituted over the weekend and now we're seeing in spring training to someone who's in their 50s. This seems pretty great oh, that's to because it reminds you of the game that you grew up watching, right? Yeah. There, there was a lack of lollygagging and a lack of lollygagging. <laughs> the, the game that you watched yeah. and loved as a kid. We've
2: taken a bunch of calls uh, today and I heard a bunch yesterday where it's the same thing, where it's guys that have said, you know, when I was watching baseball, when I was coming up and I was younger watching baseball, it was you get the ball back, you're ready to go, you throw the pitch. It's what Mark Burley used to do. Like sure. for, for, for younger Young for our age white sox fans it's a mark Burley game you're in and out in two hours and twenty minutes don't miss an inning don't show up late because you're
1: missing like two or three innings if you show up to the game a little late now if you're someone that's younger uh Gen Zer uh, millennial uh, even the the younger end of Gen X I mean you're looking at uh, looking at the last 20 plus years to thirty years of baseball being almost a three hour extravaganza Mm -hmm. that's basically what it's become no matter where you kind of point to it whether 2000 2010 uh 2020 wherever the case may be and I, i think what this is all about is perception is reality because if you look at the baseball game and you say well the average time now you drop it down 23 minutes so you're looking at anywhere around two hours and 40 two hours and 45 minutes for a baseball game An NBA game is 2 hours and 30 minutes on average. An NFL game is 3 hours and 12 minutes on average each and every week. (laughs) College football, 3 hours, hours, 22 minutes. And the NHL, 2 hours, 30 minutes, just like uh, the NBA. So, you know, it's all about perception is reality. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be faster than, say, other sports. But the quicker pace of the game... I think will allow some young people who completely turn off to it to say, all right, I'll I'll give it a try. Because I know that it's not going to be this long uh, event that doesn't really have an end in sight. If you say two and a half hours, yeah, I can manage that. See, the thing
2: is, when you say two and a half hours, I think like a two to one baseball game, right? Like very well pitched, you know, starter you know, setup guy, closer, that's it. Like, not a lot of pitching changes. But today, we even saw a game that went, like, 320. And
1: that was a 12-4 game. Right. there was scoring, earlier. There's yeah. scoring. There's movement. Yes. Uh, and like Len Casper said earlier today, a lack of lollygagging. And, there's a lack of lollygagging. And that's what I think it on is. On the ball field.
2: I think it's the the reason like no one cares about watching a basketball game that takes forever or a college football game that takes forever is because there's always action, right? They set up the play, there's a there's a play clock at the bottom so you know exactly like, you're like oh man, there's a sense of urgency, which I think putting up the play clock whether it's the full 25 seconds like they did on ESPN or putting up like 15 seconds like they did on uh, on NBC Sports, I would say that just that sense of urgency and the potential for an outcome right because even if someone's not ready you're still getting an outcome like if the batter is not in the box with eight seconds left you're getting an outcome you're getting a strike called and then you have the potential for someone to get mad but every time you have that countdown clock that shot clock like in the nba that sure. play clock like in the nfl get it moving let's go you create even if, go. It's, even if it's an illusion of the game being shorter it's still a sense of urgency that you're watching and you're like, oh man, okay, that guy's got two seconds to get left in the, up. Oh, he's in the box, okay. well oh, the pitcher's got four seconds left, Up, oh, he's in his windup, okay. Like, it, it's just this sense of urgency that has you continuing to watch and not like, Looking down at your phone in between every single pitch because the pitcher's walking around the mound and the pitcher steps or the batter steps out to redo his gloves and all this kind of stuff. Like it, it moves the game. It feels like it moves the game along.
1: Well, right, and and it's the perception is the re- reality type of thing. What's the perception of baseball? It's old. What's the perception of baseball? It's slow. Mm -hmm. What's the perception of baseball, right? Like there are teams that are the haves and then the have-nots and the have-nots have no chance at winning. So like the one thing that this kind of does is it kind of goes against the two items that most people associate with baseball, old and slow. Because this seems fresh, young, and hip, and, and, it, and it moves. Mm-hmm. And they're, today, they're like Len Casper said: there was a lack of lollygagging. A okay, lack of lollygagging. So, give a shout out to Major League Baseball and to Rob Manfred, Corey. That's right, because You're welcome
2: everybody. Today, that's right. Congratulations and welcome to baseball <laughs> to the extreme. <laughs> XMLB and not EX like it's it's a different MLB. You our fame. It's X is in extreme. We don't use an E when we spell extreme
1: because we're too
3: extreme.
1: for vowels. You led the Dodgers. You led the Dodgers. Corey.
3: A lack of lollygagging. You our we fans will not tolerate
1: the
3: lollygagging with on the field
1: and on the mound <laughs> and in the box. A lack of lollygagging. There you go, Len Casper. Earlier today, as the White Sox beat the Mariners ten to one in a two-hour forty-minute skip. That's what skip. it was. They just a little hop and skip through the park. It was beautiful. Uh, Right now at 312-332-3776, we have a four-pack of tickets to see the Chicago Hounds on March 5th. That's right, Sunday, March 5th. Yeah. A four-pack of tickets to Caller 10 at 312-332-3776. That's right, they're playing Utah on Sunday, March 5th. We have a four-pack of tickets to the Chicago Hounds. Release the Hounds! Chicago's rugby team, that's right. They're a proud supporter of Black and Abdallah here on the program with Friday nights and all calls welcome. So a a uh, four-pack of tickets right now at 312-332-3776. We'll have a four-pack later on this evening as oh. well. So right now, caller 10 gets the four-pack to the Chicago Hounds.
0: Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's Home for Sports.
1: I saw some news in the NBA, and I thought, it's probably not worthy of breaking news, but I think it's breaking now. Yeah, now
3: it is. This I think it is. is breaking news on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. So
1: about an hour ago, the Lakers announced that LeBron James would be out Tuesday night against the Grizzlies with a right foot injury. I thought to myself, yeah, that's, that's noteworthy. That's a big game for the Lakers uh, and, and their quest to try and make the playing games. As Los Angeles right now is sitting in the Western Conference in the 12th spot at 29 and 32. They're about a game and a half to a game behind the 10th team, the New Orleans Pelicans. Well... Uh, In that time frame, we, in the last 10 minutes, uh, Sham Sarania is now reporting that there's a fear within the Lakers organization that LeBron James will likely miss an extended period of time with the right foot injury. He suffered it in the win against Dallas. He played through it, and there's a belief that he could be out for multiple weeks towards the uh, end of the season here. Lakers only have 20 games and change left, uh, and there are multiple... um, Sources telling Sham Sharania that LeBron James could be out for multiple weeks, and that could really hurt the Lakers' chances of trying to make the play-in. Do
2: you think? I mean, he played the rest of the game after he said he heard a pop, so, I mean, good good on him for finishing the game, but I don't know if he did more damage to it by continuing to play on it or what it is or what this injury is, but that's a, uh, that's a blow to the Lakers' chances to try to make that play-in tournament uh, for this year. For sure, and like every year that LeBron misses the playoffs, is a year closer to his retirement, is a year closer to him not getting as many rings as as he wants to, or whatever it is, whether he's chasing Kobe or Jordan or whoever. Yeah, it's it's another year. I look, I we've I've said it before. I'm a Jordan guy. Jordan is the best player ever. But right now, it's like this is the LeBron era, and I want to see as much LeBron as possible because I like watching great ones do their thing. So I would like to have the Lakers in the playoffs because I think it's a, it's a good story. Whether you want to watch them win or lose, it'd, it'd be fun to watch them lose. If you don't like LeBron in the playoffs too, then fine. Have them have them lose in the playoffs, whatever you want to do. But the, the, the NBA is in a better place when LeBron is playing it healthy. Simple as that.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I, I think the conversation that you sidestep there, I please continue to do so. I do not want to take calls tonight. No, 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 no. no. Uh, going nope. back and no. forth between Don't do that. Uh, That's all not we're doing here. greats in NBA history. That's we're doing Uh But I, I do think you, you are right. When LeBron is active and playing, it is notable and it makes the league better and stronger. Last week here on the show we mentioned that the weekend that we just came off of was one of the worst in the sports calendar. You know, we had the All-Star game. We had the Daytona 500. We had a bunch of ancillary things. And the one thing I will say is that as we kind of shift towards the end of the regular season, the NBA came to play this weekend. Uh, You had great games on Friday night, Saturday night. Yesterday was uh, a whole slate of great NBA action. You see mm-hmm. stars playing in games, stars going head to head, stars uh, making baskets at the end, doing great things. That's exactly what the league needs to kind of push you towards this idea that, you know, the, the players who are participating don't really care. Well, when they're active and they're playing, the, the sport's a pretty good damn sport, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this week, you know, we saw the Lakers win three in a row. There was the trade that was made. They, they get the new pieces in the mix. Uh, LeBron's playing well. Anthony Davis is playing well. Uh, Malik Beasley is, is playing well, who's a new piece added to the team. And it seemed as if the Lakers were on the fast track to make a run to get into the playing games and, and be a dangerous team once they got there. I mean, if you had to say, you know, at the moment, before we got the LeBron James news, that he might be out for multiple weeks, I would have guessed that the Lakers would have caught Golden State. And Golden State would be the team that you'd have to worry about yeah. who should be good that will miss out because Steph Curry's still out. And and they have a problem with trying to win games while he's been on the bench, and it's been tough for them. So I think you're right. Having LeBron in the mix is definitely worthwhile, and it helps the league. and And I think the league overall this last weekend was a really good weekend. Uh, Damian Lillard last night scoring 71 points. That was outstanding. We had, a, we had a game in the Western Conference on Saturday night. What was the score? It was like 170. To, yeah, it was 300 and something like, was total incredible. points. Yeah. The Clippers and the Kings, that was a fun game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, there were a lot of games all weekend long. And how about this? For the Bulls, they won two games. And they, oh, had, hey. and they had a blowout, a true blowout, yeah. ice on the knees game on Friday night. Yeah. How about that? As a kid, the 90s, we haven't seen one of those in a long time. The Bulls are back. And then yesterday, they, they won a, a pretty easy game in the second half against Washington. So Washington and Brooklyn, two teams ahead of them in the standings, and they were able to put together two good wins. Can they kind of sustain this? That's been the question with the Bulls the entire season. It's a sustained consistency that they have lacked. And that's why they are where they're at at this point. But I thought this was a very good weekend for the NBA. I think there's a lot of great action.
2: Yeah, I think uh, for the Bulls, it's always been for me scoring since January 1st. They they have the number one defensive rating in the NBA. They're first in NBA in opponent three point percentage. Like they're playing really good defense. And Patrick Beverly's only going to add to that. Like he's very good defensively. He's not going to score for you though. So I want to see this team be able to put up a big number also consistently and get better shooting from their star players and from their their three-point shooters like Zach Levine. Like You can't have nights off anymore when you're trying to make the play-in. You're trying to make this push for the play-in and not this push for 35 wins. Like You're trying to get to a point where you're going to solidify yourself, whether it's in the playoffs or in that play-in. You have, what, 22 games left to do that in? And so you got you to gotta score. You still have to score. Like, yeah, you got the pat-bev pop for two games. <laughs> keep it, keep, make it uh, consistent throughout the, these next 20-some-odd games that are left.
1: Yeah, the Bulls are 28-33. and 33. They are a half game back of the Washington Wizards, who they beat yesterday. Uh, the Nets are fifth in the East. The Bulls beat them on Friday. So, yeah, you're right, Abdel. And we, we kind of talked about this last week. Uh, the teams in the, the immediate future for the Chicago Bulls, It was going to be a chance to either stay in this race or you were going to get into a point where clearly this wasn't going to happen. Tomorrow night, they face off against Toronto on the road, uh, and then you get Detroit, Phoenix, and Indy. So, I mean, you you have some tough games on the horizon, Mm -hmm. but again, you can put together here a four-game win streak with Toronto and, and Detroit, hopefully. Yeah. So you string together some good vibes and some good wins, and you're right. The defense is what is... Holding them up, we talked about it last week on the show. I wasn't sure how the minutes would kind of shake out. Uh, it seemed like it worked well over the weekend. Maybe I was wrong. My my first uh, thought on how the Bulls were going to play with Pat Bev and Caruso and Levine and Kobe White, and and it seems like a bit of a crowded backcourt. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe maybe Caruso and Bev being out there together. Uh, is okay because you have scores, two scores in Demar DeRozan and Zach Levine who had re- who had a really com- combined a really good weekend.
2: Well, let's not forget too. Like if they get to the play-in tournament, the game slows down in the playoffs, right? Like the game you you it's a lot more half-court offense. It's a lot more situations where the Bulls can probably benefit by being a very good defensive team, right? You're still going to have to score, but the better defensive teams shine more in the playoffs. Because you're playing teams more than once, you're playing in a series, and the game really slows down with half-court offenses and half-court sets and everything like that. So your defense shines there, and that's somewhere where the Bear, the, the Bulls have been very, very good this year. I mean, they're the number one team in the last two months of play with the All-Star game in there, too, that week. and can take out that week, whatever. You know what
1: I mean. Congrats to Andy Nolan. He hey. won the uh, first four-pack of tickets to go see the... Chicago Hounds. That's right. Chicago's new professional rugby team. The, uh, the game is March 5th at uh, here in Chicago, and they will face off against Utah. So the Chicago Hounds, uh, four-pack of tickets, will give another four-pack away later on in the show at 7 o'clock hour here on Bleck and Abdallah on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. We have the Song of the Night coming up next. <laughs>
0: This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports.
1: A lack of lollygagging.
0: Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago.
1: The pitch clock being instituted in Major League Baseball at spring training. Darren tweets the show and he says, Abdal has a point. The three plus hour baseball games with a 15 to 12 score. No one cared back in the day because there was action. Yeah. There was action on the field back in the day
2: well that's it's why I like college football it doesn't matter to me I, I will sit down at 11 a.m and watch a, a college football game that doesn't get over with until three the next game's at 330 in the afternoon right or 2 30 3 30 in the afternoon and that's fine because I know that there's action all the time like yeah they pause to reset the game and they're trying to work on maybe some things of like not stopping the clock on first downs and stuff like that but for the most part it's exciting. The problem is in baseball that even though even without the pitch clock, you can go a half an hour without anything happening, like with no action. Like, yes, okay, people are striking out and people are grounding out. I get that that is that is somewhat that is technically action. But at the same time, like no one's getting a hit and no one's moving runners over and no one's hitting home runs and no one's doing like it's not exciting.
1: With the pitch clock, it creates a sense of urgency. In all the years of us uh, talking about this topic, I always go back to to a thought that I think is pretty simple. The way the game has been played the last five, ten years, there's a lack of running. And when I was a kid, like you were a kid, uh, we were kids of the the late 80s, early 90s. I remember baseball players on the baseball field running Mm -hmm. and making plays either in the outfield or running the bases, going first to third, uh, turning double play, all this stuff, running, people running on Mm -hmm. a baseball field. Like if I think, if I close my eyes and say, think of something from when you were a kid on a baseball field, I picture Griffey Jr. sprinting towards the wall and making a catch and Mm -hmm. running off the wall or bouncing off of it. or You know what I mean? like That's what I picture, athleticism. And I think what we've seen in the last five, 10 years is a lack of movement because of the shift and it, and the, the way the game has grinded to a halt with the adjustments. There's so much adjusting, you have a batter who steps into the box, adjusting the gloves. Adjusting then itself. he's uh, adjusting the cup, and then he's adjusting this. And he takes a step out, and he takes one leg, and he puts it outside the box. He's Wait. not ready. Now the pitcher, he's ready to go, but now he's waiting. Now he's adjusting. He's got an adjustment of the cup as well. There's a cup there. There's a cup there. Both are adjusting their cups at the same time. There's a lot of adjusting that takes place. How about you throw the damn ball like well, that? Even- and that's what the pitch clock will implement. This lack. There there will not be the ability to grab your cup six times before before you hurl the baseball. You will not be able to before you step into the batter's box to tie your shoe six times. Remember that Jeter would step out. Oh yeah, you go the wristbands, then he would go down to the shoe. Then there'd be a cup grab. Well, think about those more more, like more working here. I mean, what the hell?
2: Working here for as long as we have, right? Like, and and you know. Jake and Nick producing tonight's show like they they get it Producing a Sunday night baseball game would take forever. When it was a Yankees Red Sox game forever. In, in like the mid 2000s, like 2007, 2008. Just six hours oh, of my silence God. with people adjusting because their cups. you've got you've got Ortiz getting it out of the was box and adjusting his gloves. And all doing right, that here's dumb another adjustment. You have an adjustment. And you it's know like, what? all
1: right, man. Today come the on. White Sox played on ESPN 1000, and there was a lack of lollygagging. A okay, lack of lollygagging. That's right, Lund Casper. A lack of lollygagging. It's time for the song of the night. I
3: Turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time
0: for... What it. dial? The, there, there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an...
3: Exp- ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdallah's Song of the Night. Yo, later. Tonight's song. We're doing
1: C-K-Y. 96 bitter beans. Connect. 650, we play for you the song of the night. Here's tonight's song: CKY, Song of the Night.
2: To 96 point Bitter Things.
1: You gotta fill me in on this one. Okay,
2: so this is a band <laughs> called CKY, the band of Volume 1. The album Volume 1 came out in 1999, <laughs> today, yeah. in 1999. And the band. They're important because their drummer's name was Jess Margera. That last name, Familiar. Sounds familiar. Because it's Bam Margera's brother is their drummer. Now, if you love Jackass, you love Jackass. I love Jackass. Of course. CKY was a band, but also CKY was a skating video series created by Bam Margera, and they used a lot of the music from the band CKY and other bands of course but these were like the most popular like skating videos like you had to get the VHS tapes you couldn't get these at Blockbuster like no. you had to go to like I no, went to, right. they to were, Dog they were Ear not, Records and yeah. Libertyville and get these but this was Jackass before Jackass it was sure. Bam Margera and a bunch of his buddies and there's always been controversy about how Johnny Knoxville stole the ideas but, like, gave them money and, like, incorporated them into the bits and everything like that. But these CKY videos, CKY2K, CKY3, like, these were the original... Guys in shopping carts being pushed into bushes, like dumb music videos <laughs> yeah, about bone uh, Bonesaw
1: and the Bonesaw. news about But What's the news about narkill Well, there's always news about narkill <laughs> <laughs> There's was, like six people listening to this that know what we're talking about. And that's
2: it. And that's fine. And this song was great. And I love this band, CKY. And I... This is, I saw them at the House of Blues, speaking of the uh, 25th anniversary of ESP 1000, at the House of Blues, March 24th, for the 25th. Get your tickets at Live Nation. This is the only time I have ever
1: crowd surfed at a concert with CKY. Uh, The Twitchers are saying they remember it from Tony Hawk Pro Skater as well. Oh, okay. I did not know that this was in uh, Tony Hawk Pro
2: Skater. Did not know that. I didn't play (laughs) Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 that (laughs) I remember. (laughs) Underground. Yeah. But this band was—I love this band. This album's great. Their second album's great too.
1: Like this is a, this is this is hardcore uh, Abdallah here. Tonight's song of the night: CKY 96, "Quite Bitter Beings." It's your song of the night from 1999.
3: Turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time for... What
0: dial? There's, there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an... Experiment. Ah, never mind.
3: Crank the volume because it's time for Bleck and Abdallah's Song
0: of the Night. Yo, Larry.
1: Did you ever pretend that you were in like any Jackass videos when you were in high school? And oh, we did dumb do, stuff. Do stupid yeah, skater we did, things. We did dumb stuff. Yeah, jumping yeah. into bushes.
2: Oh, uh, we definitely did the. Uh, we definitely did the uh, the shopping cart into the bushes. Of course. And we also try. We also staged fights <laughs> in the twenty four hour Kinkos <laughs> that was by the sunset off of one, th- uh, one, one thirty seven. Over there, we definitely staged, like, like we went and bought a bunch of plastic swords and staged, yeah, like, duels inside think, the Kinkos. I don't think you could do that today. No, I and don't that's think that why that would work.
1: we didn't get girls. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. Uh, everyone knows that. They yeah. listen to the show. Well, mm-hmm. you know, we'll be back in two minutes.
0: You're listening to Black, Black and Abdallah ESPN Chicago.